I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's not exclusive to illustrators and people who draw. You know, have a book. We call it a sketchbook, but it's just a book full of paper. Like you know, when you if an if a if a, if a, if a songwriter has a book to write their songs in, it's the same as a sketchbook, but it's not called a sketchbook. It's only called a sketchbook because we sketch in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's the same thing. Is it like everyone has that kind of thing that they need to put information into? Welcome to Mind Milk Theory. It's an arts podcast and I'm your host, sometimes contemporary artist, Jim Lockie. I started this episode with a little bit of audio from my conversation with Greg Stobbs that you will hear on last week's episode. And we were just at the end of our conversation and he made this obvious but I think astute point that artists are not the only people to use sketchbooks. Sometimes we perhaps think of it that way because of our own romantic notions about how sketchbooks are used, but people in other creative disciplines also use notebooks and um, similar devices to kind of uh, prepare things to work through ideas before they move into the next part of the creative process. And I thought it'd be interesting to explore that a bit. So I had a chat with Kerry Ryan. She's a writer and educator. She runs uh, Write Like a Girl and is just one of, you know, one of those uh, really brilliant human beings to talk to about creative things. So uh, yeah, we're going to chat to her about how uh, the, how she uses a notebook, how writers use notebooks, so we can do a bit of compare and contrast. And as we started that conversation. Again, that thing came up of the pressure around keeping a sketchbook or a notebook. I don't know if this is the same for artists, but there's a lot of weight to the writer's notebook. There's a lot of um, stuff around it that can weigh quite heavily, I think. You know, moleskins, should it be a moleskin, you know. Some writers say if you leave the house without a notebook, you're not a writer. You know, there's pressure about notebooks. And there's funny things about not finishing notebooks, what kind of notebook you use and whether you keep your notebooks. What's the point? You know, there's loads around it. And it brings up a lot of, in, in, in in the microcosm of a notebook, you can learn lots about how you approach your practice, I think, how you approach your notebook and what it says about how you feel about writing. And it can be a bit of hate, I think, sometimes. It can feel, I don't know, it can feel like a, pres- a, a pressure to do, to, because of that, you're not a real writer if you don't fill in your notebooks. Um, yet, my experience is you could go through stages with notebooks. You can fill it up and be, you know, jotting down lots and then you can, you know, it slows down and you're more thinking through things and blah, blah, blah. Um, but it is true that if you have an idea and you don't write it down, it goes. But I think, I think less and less people are using them and more people use their phones and use Evernote or Dropbox and send themselves notes or just write directly in. 
and there's a kind of hesitancy I think as well because it means it means putting what was in the notebook into your doc if you work largely on computer which some people can't be asked doing and I know I sometimes I you know really have to make myself look at my notebook so the two sometimes feel disconnected. Kerry hit upon something here which has come up briefly in last week's conversation and that is the encroachment of um, digital media to the way we go about our creative practice. It's no small thing that we can now type straight into a phone, copy that into a document for uh, whatever piece of writing you're working on and the same thing with visual artists. We can be using uh, Photoshop and Sketch and various other apps on iPads and Centique and on the computer that allows you to take your first thumbnail right to a finished piece all through the medium of a screen and there's something quite alluring about that you get to go straight into the thing and uh, we the option to undo and delete stuff really easily you're kind of constantly iterating on the same thing until you get to the end which is very different to traditional sketchbook notebook practice where you have it in one form and then you've got to translate it to the other so whether that be writing in a notebook and then typing it up or it be doing thumbnails and then going to your canvas to do the painting they're very different procedures and I don't think one is necessarily better than the other but I think it's worth noting that there is a distinction there and there are advantages and drawbacks to each there's the advantage of thumbnailing and writing in a notebook that you get to then um, instantly draft and uh, iterate by then translating it to the other medium but there's a disadvantage of that sketch may never be developed you have to then make you have to make a conscious choice don't you when you've done something in your sketchbook of what do I choose to take forward so there's a difference there also when it comes to the physical media to the tactile stuff there's a lot to be said for the feel of writing and the feel of drawing when I started out I had a fountain pen and I had moleskins and all my stories took place in Paris <laughs> And, you know, I did part of my PhD, you know, my thesis was a lot about French culture and it was only because I think subconsciously I thought you had to be French to be a proper writer. So, you know, all those things when I was starting out, there's photos of me in Paris with a berry on and my fountain pen and my moleskin. Um, now, I think, reflects where I'm at, I get a knockoff moleskin from Wilco's because I won't pay £16, even though I can afford it for a moleskin, because it's, I don't, I think it's rubbish, you know, I, I, I think it's rubbish, I'd rather get a decent notebook from Wilco's than, than pay that money, and I think that, it's, I've never really thought about it, but it's probably of where I am with my creative practice, in the sense of not, not um, tap dancing to some kind of, idea of being a writer not performing as a writer but I am a writer and that's about confidence about what I use and what I prefer rather than it being a persona I think of being in a cafe with a fountain pen and the moleskin and all those foolish youthful mistakes <laughs> okay well I couldn't do 
uh, interview following on from the conversations last week without asking Kerry, does she keep her old notebooks? Do I keep them? Yes. This is funny. Again, Saturday night, I was going, I just had a notion to go through the drawers in my study, um, you know, photos, all the rest of it. And what was of no interest to me whatsoever were all the notebooks I found that I've kept because you should. There was nothing there, you know, there were old pieces of work, ideas, but those ideas are better in the files, you know, they become something else in a doc and, and that's more useful. But what was good, what, what I wished I had more of were diary entries, were diaries, and I actually ordered a diary because that was more useful for me as a writer to see those moments in time captured um, and remember days that I had no recollection of and bits and moments and all the rest of it. So I almost chucked them out. But then because they have got at the back a mishmash of kind of journaly stuff, I've kept them. But if it was solely on the preparatory um, pre-writing, then I don't see the use of them, you know. I don't, I don't really, you know, it's just, um, yeah, I suppose it's sketches, isn't it, before the main piece, really. Just to clarify, you don't see the point in keeping them, but you have still got them. Yes. And that's, why is that? Because I'm told that that's what you should do. And maybe there'll be a point when I would like to see them, but I'd really... No, no. Why have I kept them? I've kept them because they have bits of life in them rather than bits of writing. That's why I've kept them. But that that's not that's only a small part of it, twenty percent of it, and the rest is, you know, whatever. And that's I think it's really important to mark the days because you forget so much slips through your fingers so so much. And um you know, and it was it's small stuff. It's standing in the cute littles and blah blah blah. You know how how I forgot the lane in London when I lived in London beside the Sainsburys. You know things, little moments like that, and I think that's useful. But the rest, and what's what thinking about notebooks actually is when I had Huxley and he wanted to, he would see me writing in my notebook. He would want to draw in it, and he'd want to make his notes, and I was like. Oh, this is mine. No, you've got, and I would buy him notebooks. This is yours. You can write in your notebook. And he just wanted to write in mine. And you know, that for me is such an allegory of painting. <laughs> you know, he wanted my space and he wanted to commandeer my space and write in his. And then I think I just got to the point, not in a frustrated way, but just like, well, let him. And it was only ever four or five pages something in his drawings and that's really nice to see in the old notebooks actually so you know just accepting that well my space is, is a bit your space too was was a turning point I think rather than being like my mold skin don't sully it <laughs> for anyone who didn't pick it up from context Huxley is Kerry's son and it hits upon something that's really interesting about sketchbooks i'm sure anyone who's a parent is going to strongly relate and and mothers particularly with that feeling of everything that was once yours and your own uh, even down to your notebook and your body is just then has to be shared with a whole other 
human being who's just appeared and it can be a very strange uh, feeling and the fact that this, the notebook is one of those spaces which then feels like um, you know it's revealed how personal that thing is when you've suddenly got to share it um, because you know you can't st stop a kid from doing that drawing and they're not going to understand the boundary um, yeah and th and I think that's revealing of how much of the work we do in our sketchbooks is private and personal and I'm not someone who really thinks about doing creative practice for my own mental well-being that's not really part of my conception of why I do things but I think it must be true because of the way I feel about what goes into the sketchbook so that's quite interesting really and and something I hadn't considered until yeah Carrie brought up that the way it feels when a kid wants to do a scribble in there Kerry and I finished our conversation by talking about the difference in stakes when it comes to working on your creative practice when you're in your document that's going to become your piece of writing or you're on the canvas that will become your painting or you are working with the stone that will become your sculpture, whatever it might be. When you're working with the material and in the medium that's going to end up being the thing, then the stakes can be really high and it can be scary and it can be difficult. But then when you're in the sketchbook and you're in a space of uh, more freedom, when you know no one else is going to see it, there's more permission to make mistakes, more room for experimentation and the stakes are low. Yeah, thinking your way out of it never works. Feeling your way out of it is a whole different thing. Allowing the subconscious to make the patterns because our brains love making patterns but when we try and think our way out of it and I spent years trying to think my way into writing and it's not about thinking it really is about feeling in a deeper sense which seemed would have seemed so woo woo to me 10 years ago but allowing the subconscious to do it getting out the way of yourself and just and that's you know that's what I do in a different way poems and flash and it turns out you know they're kind of some you know about similar subject matters or not quite but it's it leads on to the next thing and then you know I'll be having a shower and I'm like oh I'm walking a dog and it's like oh I, I know where I'm going with this thing I'm stuck in and to play I think that's the answer playing we don't you know when the stakes are high as you say we don't allow ourselves to play we try and think our way to the solution but playing yeah loosening up and just playing gets us there quicker really or better or more and in a more enjoyable way well it was great to talk to kerry and hear about uh sketchbook practice but through the lens of a different medium i found that really interesting and really every time i talk to kerry i always come away feeling so inspired to go back to my own practice uh, and my own drawing with with renewed kind of gusto she's she's such an inspiring creative person there is one more of these interviews about sketchbook practice which we've run out of time to include on today's podcast so i'm going to upload it in a couple of days time exclusively to the mind milk theory facebook page because 
yep i started a facebook page in order to be able to keep people up to date with everything that's going on so if you'd like to listen to it it's interview with victoria foster a, another brilliant artist you can check that out on the mind milk theory facebook page we'll see you there if you want to know more about kerry check the description of this podcast which will have a link to write like a girl that's all i've got to say for this week our intro music is by prod riddiman used under creative commons license you can find out more about him on the internet and i'll see you next time Lots of love, stay compassionate, all those things. See you later, bye.